Welcome to the Service Management Leadership Podcast with Jeffrey Tiefertiller. Welcome back to another, I would say, Service Management Leadership Podcast, but we have interrupted those for the third annual Global ITAM Summit. And I have a great guest, Pam Fulmer, who's been on with us before. Pam, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you doing? I am awesome. And Pam is a legal beacon for the software asset management area. I would say industry, but I think it's bigger than an industry. I think it's every company. And so it's great having you on and I appreciate you sharing your knowledge with us. Glad to be here. All right. The same question that I open all of these with, because I think it's applicable. We don't see what good looks like in very many organizations. So what does good look like in your area? Sure. So, so good would look like if software publishers for these you know, big enterprise software companies would actually behave themselves and only you know, ask for licensing fees for legitimate um, you know, over-deployment and not actually use their audit rights and their licenses to try to sell software by holding people over a barrel with these, with these predatory audits. So good would be, if you know, if you overuse the software and you really commit legitimate copyright infringement, you pay for that. But it would also mean that you don't have some of these overreaching, overbearing, predatory software publishers concocting these huge compliance gaps that have no basis in reality in order to scare companies into buying software. And you know, it's it's not good. It, it hurts the economy. The, these costs are just passed on. And, and ultimately, it's the consumer that pays the price. Yeah. They beat them into submission sometimes. And uh, they, they try. They try. And that's what I try to do is, is help them. You know, people, companies have weapons in their arsenal. And they have defenses. And they should not allow themselves to be bullied um, into purchases of software that they don't want or need. And, you know, they should figure out their compliance position and, you know, make sure that they're in compliance. And then maybe they don't get themselves uh, this, this opening, you know, to take a small compliance gap and actually make it like it's this huge compliance gap when it's not. And I think you touched on something that's very applicable. If you as an organization don't know your license position, you are at risk for being caught off guard on everything because now the if the publisher is predatory, everything's on the table because they know that you don't know. That's that is so true, Jeffrey. And so too many companies are kind of pennywise and pound foolish. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I ran my own like big company, I can guarantee you that I would go out and I would hire some of these expert consultants out there that will come in and look at my compliance position. And that's not so much what the lawyers, you know, do um, as much as it is, you know, I mean, lawyers do look at it, but also go in, find out what, what you're using. And then of course the legal part is look at what your contract allows you to use. And then if there are issues, then, you know, fix them, get it remediated. Um, but, uh, and then when the inevitable audit comes, um, you know, you're going to be in a much better position. And, you know, 
the way it's set up with some of these publishers and the contract kind of recognize it, that there's going to be some non-compliance. And so there's just a true up, right. you know, but you want it to be like a legitimate true up <laughs> <laughs> and not, you know, something that's been completely concocted. So I've been doing this for years and I have never yet had a, a client. And if, if a client did say this, I would run the other way. Right. I've never had a client say, I want to really rip off Oracle and use all this software without paying for it. Right. They say the opposite. They say, right. you know, if I, if I over-deployed, if I, if I use it and I wasn't supposed to, then I want to pay for that. That's only right. But, you know, I don't want to be held hostage and forced into a cloud purchase or, yeah. you know, um, be taken advantage of some other way. I'm right there with you. And, and I want to take this a step further. When you talk about it, hiring these experts, many of them cost, and you think your, your renewals, your audits, it costs like 1% of your total expense for that software. And when you look at it in that perspective, it, it looks like it's an easy adoption for the people. You know, you have Microsoft that costs you a quarter million dollars a year you know, it's going to, is it worth a few thousand just to make sure your stuff's good? But most people pay Microsoft 25 million or, you know, these big organizations. So is it sure. worth 25,000 just to make sure that, that you're good? You know what I'm saying? Like, I exactly. just don't understand. Yeah. It's, it's penny wise and pound foolish. And you know what, what I find, because often what will happen is the legal department at a company won't even know there is an audit going on. Okay. And so it's only when the final audit report drops and it's some like $20 million nightmare figure that it ends up on their desk. And, and they're, you know, like, what do I do? You know? And then of course it, it is more of an investment um, to, to figure out, you know, what the true position is and how to get out from under it. But, um, you know, definitely I would say, uh, and, and the other thing that happens is when I get brought in by the legal department, I, I will say, you know, um, I want to hire an expert consultant because the expert consultant will be able to like review the technical data and kind of tell me, is this real or is this not real? You know, what, what is that? I can't do that as a lawyer. Right. And so, um, so the, the legal department, you know, the in-house lawyer often will say, you know, no, my guys are really good. Okay. They really know what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, because I'm sure that, that they're great and that they're really knowledgeable, but, but, you know, you don't bring, what, what is it? Uh, you don't bring a butter knife to a knife fight or something right. like that. And so you really do need to have these people that just have this constantly, you know, they're reviewing um, for compliance and they know the technology they've seen, you know, 150 audits. So they know, they know what they can get away with. They know what they can say, Hey, can, can we just sign like a declaration that this was inadvertent use and we won't do it in the future? You know, they, they know all the tricks of the trade where if you just rely on your internal people, you know, they don't have that background. And, and then plus they're worried that they could lose their jobs sometimes right. because, you know, when, when, when uh, a big software publisher comes in and says you have a $20 million compliance gap and, and it's, it's completely exaggerated, the company doesn't realize that at that point. 
And so, you know, everybody in management is looking at the, the CTO and saying, or the CIO, well, how did this happen? You know? And so, you know, you really do need that expert help um, and uh, to, to figure out, you know, what's true and what's false, what's real and what's not, and, and then get that number down that, you know, the number that's truly owed and not this crazy number that is just, you know, has no basis in reality. Sticker shock. And so two things you said there that I want to push in on. One, one other reason you don't want to use your in, internal people, because they're part of the reason you're in this position. Right. So going back to them doesn't really help you because if they could have solved it, they would have already solved it. Right. And, but second, you mentioned about bringing people in early. Is that one of the steps that you would use to like become good if you're an internal company is bring in experts, legal and specific publisher experts to the table early? Absolutely. So for example, if, if I'm retained and I can bring on board my export or expert when the audit's just starting out before you know any data has been shared, you know, oftentimes the software publisher won't even know that I'm involved because it'll go so smoothly. We don't have to escalate it to the legal department at the software publisher. We just work with the client, figure out what information is relevant, what really do they owe them. And then by the time the final report drops, it, it does always, it's never accurate, right. but it's not, you know, it's not a $30 million problem. It's something more, you know, in the realm of possibility. And then we chip away on that. If people wait until the audit report drops, then, you know, I get brought in and people are in panic mode. And so I spend the first part of literally, I can't tell you, okay, how often this happens. The first phone call where the client is shell-shocked, they're just, you know, they just can't believe it. And, and I say, yeah, I know, I know, this is how people feel. And, and, and they say, you know, I can't believe that fill in the blank company, you know, who is supposed to be our business partner would actually do this to us. You know, it's so unprofessional. I feel like I'm being folded <laughs> into a purchase. And, and I actually have to kind of, talk to them and say, I know how you feel. Everybody feels that way. And so now what we have to do is we have to start pushing back. And, and you know, it's almost like you have to rally them, you know, right. um, and because at that point, I don't know what the true compliance gap is, but I can guarantee them it's going to be less than what the software publisher is saying. And so we'll just have to find out what that is and then negotiate because it's all about negotiation. Um, to cut to come to the number that will work for both sides, and you almost become their hail mary to use a football term, right? Like, yeah, we're in this bad spot. Let's let's just hope, and that Pam can pull us back out. Whereas you can be a lot more effective if brought in early. And it's, I think that maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, but your your margin of ex, of effectiveness is greater the earlier you're brought on. Because yeah, you can and, control and more outcomes. And cheaper. And because cheaper. you control the record that you're making. And then it's not all a big mess at the end that has to be cleaned up. It's actually, it's it's reasonable. It's logical. It's, it's you know, it's out there kind of perfectly laid out versus, you know, what happens maybe before we get involved where, 
you know, Oracle or whatever software publisher is like, you know, we need this information, we need it now. Then what I see happen is these IT people, they become panicked and they like, they don't respond. And then so Oracle and these other publishers are really good at following up and saying, you know, we've been wanting to, you know, this has been going on for this long and blah, blah, blah. And um, it just creates a terrible record so that if you would end up in court, it looks like the co company is on the wrong side because they've been avoiding, you know, these conversations. So the worst thing to do is stick your head in the sand and hope it all goes away because it's not going to go away. Um, it's just not. <laughs> and so you need to kind of face it head on. And, um, but, you know, I've just never seen it be as bad as it seems, you know, when, when I get brought in late in the game, it's, it's always, it's always better. <laughs> I, I understand. That's why I use the Hail Mary reference, right? Like we're, right. we're, we don't have any other options. So let's just hope. So disruption is coming, I think, in this industry. I think that we're at a crossroads that we haven't been before. What disruption do you see in this in this industry? I think you could take this uh, question a few different ways. Sure. So I and this is something that I mentioned on our, our larger podcast a few weeks ago. I do think that because what the software publishers are doing are so is so outrageous that eventually you're going to see some regulation in this area. And I think that, you know, when it comes to cloud, for example, um, you know, there could be very well be antitrust issues where people, companies try to get you into their cloud. And then after they get you in, they, they impose policies and other things that like keeps you paying them instead of maybe going out to some other publisher to get, you know, kind of aftermarket type things from them. So I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see that. And, um, but in order for that to happen, you know, companies have to actually come forward and, and, and say, look, this is my experience. Oracle did this to me and, you know, and, and it should stop and they need to come forward, but they're so afraid that if they come forward, you know, the software publisher is going to extract vengeance on them. <laughs> And so, you know, once somebody is done with the audit, you know, they're like, why the heck would I go out there and, you know, become a target? Well, the reason why you do is because it's only going to change when people start talking about it. Because I can tell you, and the thing that's just so, so difficult um, to see sometimes when I am looking at legal cases is that um, judges uh, on first blush, when they get these cases, you know, these are major names and they just can't believe that these major, you know, highly respectable U.S. companies would actually be doing these nefarious things. And so, and the reason why is because people that this happens to, they're not talking about it. Right. And, and the other thing is that the software companies that are doing it, for the most part, are really good at keeping people from running out and filing lawsuits where it all gets out in the public domain. So they've been very good at figuring out how far they can press them. Um, and then, you know, and then when it looks like it's going to be a lawsuit, then they pivot away and, and it goes away. And so, but, but when these companies start 
testifying on Capitol Hill and saying this oh, is wow. what happened, you know, when when they start banding together, um, that's when it's going to change. And and there are groups now. It's starting more in Europe, but it's going to come to the United States. And and you know they're gonna. I, I really do believe that people are going to say enough is enough. I think you're. That's coming. And I think that. <laughs> You know, especially as they're being forced into cloud, right? I mean, the mantra has been, we found all this stuff on your on-prem, but we'll let you off the hook if you go to our cloud and sign your life away for, you know, a million years at this exorbitant price. And I just, that's so predatory. Right. And, and the other thing is, is that once you're in their cloud, you know, and, and I do hear people so far saying, well, you know, so far it hasn't been some of the other tactics that you know we've experienced but i'm seeing more and more and you know they can just flip the switch yes. see before when you had the your software on premises you know people would say clients would say well what if i get a termination notice and then you know i would say well then we need to run off to court and file an action and try to get a declaration that you're not in breach and you can keep using the software and but at least the software was on premises so they could keep using it while they ran off to court and then if if they were wrong then of course they could they could be liable for committing a copyright infringement but you know um if they were right their business doesn't just stop and they can continue on um and uh but now with the cloud you know you're going to get this notice and the company can just switch it off and, and so I think, I think you're going to see real hardball, you know, 30 day notices to cure, or we're going to terminate and, and then, you know, look out if they, if they do that. And I, I think I'm hoping that they'll be more careful because they know how bad that could be, but some of them, you know, I, I think they'll do it. And they're certainly using it as leverage in negotiations. Companies are thinking that they're going to terminate the license. So Oh, it, uh, it's, it's really, I think it's going to get even more hardball unless people talk about it and get it out there and, and make sure it doesn't happen. It's something that's coming. I think that that is coming. Like it's going to, as the old people, my parents would say, it's coming to a head soon, right? Like it's, right. it's festering. It's going to come to a head soon. And I remember Craig on the, the summit last year talking about Craig Grinty, who's very sharp on the Oracle stuff for the audience, you know, Craig, yeah. talking about how everybody talks about, hey, now you have flexibility because you can use all these, but no, you're being trapped into one publisher because Oracle, for example, isn't going to really be happy with you taking their cloud and using it on an AWS. So they're going to try to maneuver you or leverage you as much as possible into having fewer and fewer choices. Right. And that and that's why we have to really be looking for these, well, I think are antitrust issues yes. and, and ringing the bell on Capitol Hill about what is going on. And, and you know, the focus has been on, as, as it should be, you know, on like a lot of the use of data and what, what are big tech companies doing with data and how to protect consumers. And that's all true and it's good and we should continue. But American businesses, actually businesses all over the world, are getting raped and pillaged by these yeah. by these software publishers. And 
it's time that it stops. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to, you know, working with, uh, hopefully there will be companies that will come forward and, and say this happened and no must, we're not going to put up with it anymore. Enough is enough. Enough is enough, right? It's enough. Yeah. All right. So we appreciate you sharing your, your wisdom with us, Pam. Is, do you have any parting words that you would like to uh, bestow upon us? I would just say that one organization, and let me just make sure I have the, the right website. One organization, if, you're, uh, uh, if you've been treated unfairly in an audit, if you've bought software that you, know, you didn't really want because of an audit, and you feel that you were extorted or that, you know, that what happened to you was unfair, um, there's an organization that you may want to look up. It's called fairsoftware.cloud. Um, and uh, uh, they, um, they're working to kind of get companies that may have had your experience together to, to come out from under the rocks and to talk about their experience so that, you know, we can stop all this from happening. And then, of course, you know, um, we help clients, um, you know, whether or not it's at the beginning of an audit or even before the audit starts or after the report drops, we help clients negotiate an exit strategy where they, where if they owe money, they, they will pay what they owe, but they're not going to pay more than they owe. Um, and so that's important. And, and I'm, you know, at tacticallawgroup.com. Gotcha. And so you have the, all this wisdom. And I, I think that even if it goes to antitrust, there will always be need for your specialty in this field. You know what I mean? Like, like it renewals, audits, they're never going away. But right. you're right. Some type of guardrails do need to be in place. Right. Well, and, and the other thing is what our firm does is it's, we don't just handle software audits we handle licensing disputes and, and breaches of contract. So, so if you're an Oracle partner and you feel like you've been treated unfairly by Oracle, even if it doesn't relate to an audit, we might be able to help you resolve that. So, so what we handle is you know disputes that involve software licenses and we help resolve the disputes. And most often we don't have to file litigation to do it. Um, and so, um, but, you know, if, if someone's being unreasonable, we, we, we can do that <laughs> to try to resolve the problem. So, so yeah, so this is an area that it's only going to grow because software is really important for our economy and, and it's only going to get more important in the future, not less. Oh yeah. Every tech, every company is a technology company is what I like to say, because it's so true. every a bank is a technology company. So Pam is easy to find on LinkedIn. You can find her at Tactical Law in California. And any anything else that uh, would help people find you or uh, see what your company uh, provides? Um, I would just say go to our website, tacticallawgroup.com. And, uh, and like you said, also look for me on, on LinkedIn. I have a a blog that um, that uh, I'm pretty active on, and it's getting a lot of attention. I'm I'm actually getting phone calls from all over the world. Actually, um, people are very interested in the blog. So 
So read it. Hopefully you'll find something, some kernel that will help you in your situation. And I'm always here to talk um, to so that I can help you figure out if if I am someone that could help you with whatever your particular licensing situation is. That is awesome. Pam, thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, everybody reach out to Pam if uh, she and her services can be useful to your organization. Thank you, Pam, for uh, spending your time with us. My pleasure, Jeffrey. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. You Bye. too.